Ari Rosenbaum here with another fun-filled episode of that 4K podcast. This week's topic, we're going to talk about 4K plan provisions that are uh, what I think are really great ideas. Um, and of course, first things first, uh, that 4K site.com for articles and whatnot. And uh, in terms of virtual events, we're doing, going to do another episode of that 4K virtual bunch, the retirement plan roundtable. Bill Shores, Mike Webb, James Holland, and I. Uh, we're going to do that on Thursday, June 15th, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's for free on Zoom. And, of course, um, as always, you miss it. It's on YouTube. Uh, just, you know, use the YouTube machine and uh, type it in and you'll find it uh, as soon as we broadcast it, of course. And then we got the virtual conference, the plan sponsor event in October, a plan uh advisor event in January and hopefully in 2024 we'll go back to live events probably do one or two events a year um you know hoping uh there are a couple cities I do want to hit including cities I've been to for baseball games um I think Washington DC would be great um Yankee Stadium we'll see what happens I mean obviously to me it's based on interest you know, quite honestly, my opinion, uh, you go on Twitter and it feels like that there's a financial advisor conference every week. Um, I think if you didn't want to be in business and you wanted to do a tour, I think you could probably be a financial advisor and attend a, a conference a week. Um, and, um, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, do we stand out? Can we still attract an audience and still attract uh, interest from plan providers? We'll see what happens. Um, if we, you know, if we don't come back live, then it was a great, uh, fun time. Hopefully we can come back. We'll see. But, uh, 401k plan provisions, great ideas. Just my two cents, my experience, 25 years in the business, this September 8th. Um, and, uh, I started for almost 10 years working for two TPAs in particular. Um, I think. One of the biggest problems I always have is I think 4K plan sponsors really lose sight of why they started the plan in the first place. You know, they, there are a lot of distractions being an employer, um, and I think that 4K plans are kind of neglected. Um, and again, one of the reasons you start a 401k plan, yeah, highly competent employees want to save money, but yeah, you know, 401k plans are this great incentive tool for people. Um, to recruit and retain employees. And I think that plan sponsors really forget that. So number one is, again, service requirement. Um, we have a retirement plan crisis in this country. Social Security isn't going to do very well. I think, you know, at one point, I think I was supposed to take money out when I'm 67, uh, 2039, and... At one point, uh, the system was going to go belly up in 2038. So I got. I, I think the. I think that's changed a little bit. Um, maybe I will take Social Security out. We'll see what happens. But uh, you know, defined benefit plan. Defined benefit plans have been phased out. Um, you know, people blame 401k plans for it, which I think is utter nonsense. I think the reason defined benefit plans. Um, are no longer um, a thing for uh, private businesses uh, is because people live too much. People lived are living too long. Um, I mean, it's just a fact. Uh, you know, we always talk about Social Security 
you know, the uh, when they put the plan in place in sixty uh, for sixty five, you take out retirement. And I, I want to say that the life expectancy was sixty four or something like that, something really ridiculously low. People are living a lot longer, so that puts pressure to find better plans. And of course, most importantly, employers realized they could cheap out. <laughs> they realized that they didn't have to. Uh, fund these pension plans. And yeah, you know, 401k plans came here and there, and we decided that we're going to let the employer employees uh, fund their own retirement. But yeah, you know, listen, I don't think 401k plans are the reason. They would have been pushed out anyway if there were no 401k plans. But I still to this day, I will wave that flag that when it comes to 401k plans, you should have a deferral waiting period of zero or one month something very, very little. Because I will tell you, uh, when I was, you know, uh, an unhappy uh, employee at places and I wanted to switch positions, one of the factors of accepting a job was the 401k plan. Uh, obviously, being in the 401k plan business, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, you know, I had interest in that. But, uh, you know, uh, my feeling is is that uh, in this day and age, uh, you want to have an eligibility period of less than a year. Um, uh, the less, the better. And you know, people don't like that idea, especially employers. You got a revolving door of employees, and you got small account balances. And in my opinion, always has been if you have a revolving door of employees. The problem isn't the 401k plan. The problem is probably you. Because the beauty of 401k testing, ADP, uh, ACP, um, I don't have to use, you know, I don't have to test um, no eligibility. I test this if my plan has 21 or 1. So those people that I left in, uh, uh, you know, within two months of service or one month or my dream uh, no eligibility period. They don't count towards testing. We 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 treat the plan as it's still twenty one or one for testing purposes. We love that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know the the the, the concern is you know um, small account balances and all that stuff. But um, you know the the per head charges and all that. We all know the game uh, plan participants are the folks that pay for this stuff. Um, I just think it's a win-win, um, for, you know, employers. It gets people involved in the 401k plan early and incentivize people to join you. Wow, you know, they got a 401k plan with no eligibility. I want to say, uh, that Fakakta law firm that I worked at on Long Island, we had no eligibility. I think I was in day one. Maybe it was a month or two. It was something very, very low. And even those, you know, that Fakakta law firm, you know, they gave me a, a 5%, uh, you know, safe harbor, non-elective contribution. Uh, that was that was really nice. Uh, that's about the only good thing about the place. But, uh, you know, my opinion is is that uh, more people defer, more assets in the plan. That's good. Uh, that's good, too. Um, and obviously, if you, uh, you know, have a situation where you got, you know, a lot of small account balances, well... You know, if they're less than the uh, involuntary cash out limit, we use that uh, very nicely. Um, you know, move people to IRAs. We can't locate them and all that kind of stuff. 
But of course, another reason to consider eliminating the eligibility provision is that, you know, in 2024, we're going to have that part-time uh, exclusion uh, gone away. You know, if you have 500 hours or more services, uh, 500 hours or more, um, three years in a row for 2024, two years in a row starting in 2025, uh, they'll be eligible anyway. So I, I just, you know, once you get that part-time rule in, I just don't think that there's a reason to have an eligibility period for the salary deferral component. You want to do it for the profit sharing in the match, you, by golly, do that. Um, but I think that people, if they want to defer, they should they should do that. Roth feature, um, you know, um, uh, the Roth 401k feature, there are still plans out there that don't offer it. We've had it on the books. Um, well, they were implemented... Um, it's part of Ektra in 2001, but implemented in 2006. You know, those are the days when we actually waited for guidance from the DOL before we did some, before we did things. Uh, not the DOL, I'm sorry, the IRS. Um, those are great things. And uh, I think that, you know, plan participants should have the opportunity to, um, you know, put their deferrals in on a pre-tax or post-tax basis. And again, it's been a provision that's been catching on. I think a, a super majority of plans offer it. Uh, and one of the reasons you should offer it is because 50 people, 50 or over, um, uh, highly compensated employees will only be allowed to make uh, their catch-up contributions on an after-tax basis. So uh, if we want participants who are HCEs in a year or so, um, and we want to allow them to defer uh, catch-up. We're going to have to do it on a post-tax basis. That's the mechanism in order to justify the cost of Secure 2.0. Uh, loan and hardship distributions. Um, you know, this is uh, this is really a situation that I really believe in. Um, For, you know, an ideal world, I think 401k plans should be for retirement savings only. We Unfortunately, we live in the real world and life happens. You know, uh, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, you know, the greatest person I ever knew. Um, she survived the Holocaust and she's like, she was like a, a guiding light in my life. I think that, uh, you know, you, you people have parents where they learn right and wrong from. I was very glad to have had a grandmother who was to me the, the greatest person I ever met. And, um, she said it best life doesn't go to plan. And I don't, I don't necessarily think she was talking about her life. You know, she's 20 years old and she went to Auschwitz and, you know, one line she goes and her 47 year old mother goes on another line and never sees her 47 year old mother again. Cause her 47 year old mother in those days, 47 was quite old. Um, she looked older, uh, worked, you know, obviously in the factories and all that stuff in, in, in Romania. Uh, and I, during the war, it was Hungary. Transylvania was part of Hungary during World War II. Never saw her mother again. Mother was went right to the gas chamber. But I don't think she was talking about that. I think she was just talking about life. Life doesn't go to plan. Um, you know, you look at my life. He, I remember the movie The Firm came out. I'm like, well, you know, when I graduate law school, you know, I want to be like Tom Cruise's character, not working for a mafia front law firm, but, you know, having an $80,000 car. And I graduated, 
I graduated from Taxol Lum program, and I had a Toyota Camry, 1998, brand new green Toyota Camry, and I was making $35,000 a year. Life doesn't go to plan. She was right. Um, life doesn't go to plan. That's what happens with the 401k plans. People need money. Um, life happens. You know, we didn't plan to have a hurricane here with five feet of uh, water where I'm recording right now. So life happens. You need money. So I think the plan participants should have the opportunity to get their own money. That's how I see it. Um, you know, uh, preventing foreclosure, medical expenses, educational expenses. Nowadays, according to the regulations, hardship distributions don't have to be verified by um, the plan sponsor anymore. Um, Obviously, plan loans limit them to one loan outstanding, don't require a loan for hardship anymore, thankfully. But I just think that people should have the opportunity to get their own money. Automatic enrollment. Um, again, I always talk about it when it first came out. Uh, I think it was 99. Um, I was totally against it. I was totally against it because I thought it was something out of the Soviet Union. Uh, you're forcing people to defer money in their plan. But most importantly, the money was sitting in money market accounts. I want to say the money market rate of return is probably still better than today's money market rate of return. But I didn't like the idea of it. You know, 404C protection, you know, because people didn't, you know, direct their own investment. It got stuck in a money market account, got stuck in a stable value you know, account. Most plans in those days didn't have stable value, at least the plans that I worked on. Um, obviously, you know, to me it was just a gimmick to goose up the um, defer, uh, defer rate than NHCs in order for plans to pass. I thought that that was a cheap gimmick. And obviously the rules changed on me. Uh, the Pension Protection Act 2006, we developed the uh, Quacka, we developed uh, the QDIA, we developed the IACA, and all that kind of jazz. But basically, the Pension Protection Act 2006 added automatic enrollment to the code because previously, negative election, I believe, was a revenue ruling. And so, um, thanks to the Pension Protection Act 2006, um, you know, I'm a bigger fan of um, automatic enrollment. Gets people involved into the plan. Um, I, you know, years ago, again, I always tell the story. Uh, Rich Larita, dear friend of mine, who was the top sales guy at the TPA that I work at and the previous TPA that I work at. And, uh, you know, um, I sent out an email to the people that I work with, uh, heads of the head of the company and all that stuff. And we were producing TPA. And I said, hey, you know, we should really get behind this automatic enrollment. The idea is if you get people involved and you engage with them, then people who are automatically enrolled will probably actively participate. And Rich is like, oh, you know, our our plan, our, our, our clients are plan sponsors, and they don't want people, you know, knocking on the door and, you know, complaining. And I said, you know, people are not going to notice 3%, and people are tend to be passive anyway. So, you know, my feeling was they weren't going to uh, – they weren't going to protest and, you know, Rich is like, you know, Rich was always a guy, you know, he could never be wrong. So he was interviewing people at our work. And mind you, we were a company 
employees were totally passive, never spoke up. I was, of course, the only person who spoke up, and so I was, you know, labeled the malcontent. But, um, you know, uh, studies have shown people are, uh, you know, automatic enrollment is a huge success. Um, people don't notice the 3%, and if they do notice the 3%, very, very few people complain about it. If they do complain about it, and it's a eligible automatic um, contribution arrangement, they can get their money back within 90 days. So, um, you know, obviously, why do I like automatic enrollment? I always liked it since uh, it was uh, rejiggered, as they say, um, with um, the QDIA. To me, the QDIA is everything. Uh, you know, people be able to, you're uh, having people automatically contribute to the plan. And they're putting it away in a, you know, a fund, a target date fund or whatever it may be that, you know, actually grows um, unlike a money market account. And, um, you know, again, uh, uh, obviously another reason to go for it is any new plan, which I, I don't understand this provision. Um, you know, they said, well, anything signed after Secure 2.0, if it's a new plan, you're going to have to have an automatic contribution arrangement for 2025. So what's the point if you, you know, had a 1-1-23 plan? You're going to have two years of no automatic contribution and then go with automatic contribution live in 2025. I just don't understand that. But that's neither here nor there. There's a lot of things with Secure 2.0 I just don't understand with these effective dates and different effective dates and this, this, and that. Obviously, last on my list... Uh, great ideas, participant direction of investment, which in in uh, you know, which is kind of funny that I put that on there because quite honestly, uh, I've always felt that uh, participants were probably better off when trustees directed you know the investments of the plan, and that's how you know prior to daily valuation, prior to the mutual fund companies. Uh, exploiting uh, changes like te technology and pushing um, 404C because they, they got more money uh, through these 404C plans. Uh, before that, it was trustee-directed and, uh, you know, pooled account, as I call it, uh, balanced forward, as people in the TPA world called it. Um, I still think participants are better off with trustee-directed plans, but you know, I'm looking from the plan side, plan sponsor side of things. And when it comes to liability, market rate of, you know, market's going up 30% and the trustee directed plan is returning 28%. Well, geez, participants can sue. Uh, ERISA 404C, of course, says that plan sponsors aren't uh, liable for any losses sustained by participants as long as they make informed investment decisions. And of course, you know, that was the problem at that Fakakta law firm when, again, they, you know, gave me Morningstar profiles and didn't update the funds in 10 years. And I scared the bejesus out of the HR director. And, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, I just think that, uh, you know, as long as plan sponsors have a prudent fiduciary process for selecting funds and whatnot and giving enough education to plan participants, then you can get that 404C liability protection. But over and all, I think that, again, the gist of it is, is that ERISA 404C, uh, as long as the plan sponsor is running a prudent process, it's a, a 
it's a it's a no brainer compared to Trusty Directed. Even though I still believe Trusty Directed um, uh, investments uh, there's a there's a better rate of return for uh, plan um, for plans out there rather than Trusty Directed. But you know, in an ideal world, you know, we'd uh, we'd have Trusty Directed plans. But uh, you know, we don't live in an ideal world, uh, and obviously, you know. I can't be Don Quixote and pushing um, for trusty directed plans because the industry has moved that way to, uh, you know, uh, participant directed. You know, uh, you can't have a pooled account these days. Uh, if you have a pooled account these days, somebody will say, what, what's the matter with you? Uh, you got to go with the flow. Uh, and the flow for the last 20 some odd years, uh, at least since I've been in the business, has been to participant directed plans. And, you know, I started the business when. There were telephone exchanges. You exchanged investments through the telephone. The web was a thing, but uh, it wasn't a thing where you could go on the web and change your investments. And I remember the first time um, in 2000 when I started my, you know, where I was part of the plan, we had this uh, website called Smart Plan, and it was terrible. And all it ever did was give you a you know, your balance. It was using the Relia software that was available at the time, Corbell, and just giving you the balances, and that was it. Uh, you know, obviously, what you can do now is just uh, crazy. Uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. So, anyway, um, that's it for this week's episode. And, of course, uh, tune in for next week's episode. And, uh, you know, that's it. And, uh, and again, go to that 401ksite.com, sign up for that uh, 401k uh, virtual forum uh, and uh, the virtual bunch, I'm sorry, and uh, sign up for the uh, plan sponsor event that we're doing in January. And if you're interested in being part of the, uh, I'm sorry, the plan uh, advisor event in January, and if you want to be part and present at the plan sponsor event, um, uh, registra you know, registration for plan sponsor is free, but obviously anybody who wants to sponsor and be a part of it. Uh, I think we're charging as little as 500 bucks. So tune in next week for another episode. Thank you. Bye.